Each one of us is a perfect crystalline snowflake. There's no one just like the other. Stories, however, remind us that we're all just made of snow. I'm Don Hall, and this is the Peculiar Journeys Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This is Don Hall. I am recording in High Falls, New York. Um, my wife and I drove from Chicago uh, to home Pennsylvania and picked up her brother Christian. And we came out here to High Falls to a rental home on a lake, an area with a lot of creeks. It's beautiful out here, by the way. Never been to I've never been to upstate New York, as least at least not that I remember. And it's really gorgeous. I'm kind of falling in love with sort of the creeks and the trees and the hills. It's really wonderful. But we're here for a wedding. And uh, yesterday was the wedding of Eli and Anna. Um, they, they are cousins, cousins-in-law to me. And I realized I have an opportunity. Now, here's the thing. My mother and I, you know, it's, it's, it's the way families tell stories. And I've been really interested in the idea that our memories are completely malleable based on our, our own perspective, our own point of view. And like one of the examples that I have is that my mother and I tell a story. My sister was too young, but the scariest thing my mom could ever say when I was growing up was let's go on an adventure. And because that meant we were probably going to be in some sort of peril soon enough. Uh, that was just kind of how it worked. And one year, and I don't remember how old I was, but, uh, my mother decided she was going to take a shortcut. We were going to Lake Pleasant in Phoenix, Arizona, around Phoenix, Arizona. And she decided to take a shortcut because she thought it'd get us there faster because that's what shortcuts are, except there was no road. And about 40 minutes later, she realized that she was just driving randomly in the desert in a gremlin. And we popped a tire. And so we're out in the middle of nowhere. There are no roads. There's no signs. I mean, it's actually not a road. We're just in the middle of the fucking desert. And my mother is kind of panicked. I totally go into an absolute panic, and I start immediately uh, trying to figure out how to get water out of cactus so that we won't die. Now, my mother and I tell exactly the same story up to this point. We both agree that what we didn't know was we were about a mile away from the highway and there was a filling station and a a mechanic right down like a mile away, but we had no way, way of knowing that. We both remember a red beat down pickup truck, Ford pickup truck coming the opposite way and the person inside the pickup truck, you know, towed us back to the filling station and fixed our tire. But I remember, and I swear on a stack of Bibles, I remember that it was an older Native American man. My mother, on the other hand, absolutely would swear on a stack of Bibles that it was a family of four Mormons. This makes no sense that we believe it and we have such a different perspective on it. And that's sort of an agree, like a really egregious example, but it's super big. It makes no sense. And both of us would swear to God 
that we were correct, that our version was the correct version. And we will never know which version was actually the correct version. So... For today's podcast, while I'm here in High Falls, New York, I had the opportunity. And so I have recorded my wife, Dana German, um, telling a story about how she teased her little brother. I then have Christian German, her brother, her little brother, telling the same story from his perspective. And then we have the great arbiter, Kit is her mother, my mother-in-law, Kit Liggett, telling the story from her perspective. They're all real short, but I want you to listen to all three stories and notice how they're very similar, how you can tell that they've told this story collectively a number of times to other people, and what the differences are, because it's one of those fascinating experiments that I that I think maybe you could do with your own family, start looking at the stories you tell and how they're slightly different, and that there is no objective truth in these things. So we're going to start with uh, Dana. And then we will go to Chris, and then we will go to Kit. So this is more anecdotal than anything else, but I would antagonize my little brother, four years younger than me, with all sorts of scenarios to kind of get him riled up. And uh, I was... Of course, by this time beyond the age of 10, because Chris was rapidly approaching 10, you know, he was probably, um, or, you know, now that I think of it, like, we could have been on the shy side of 10, both of us, uh, but I don't think that would have made sense, considering. Um, so I distinctly remember being at our grandparents' house, this is my mom's parents, and uh, my brother, I, you know, laid this on him, and it kind of came to a head. Well, I, I told him, like, when you turn 10 years old, you change sex. <sighs> so, uh, so I just did my best to try to, like, get him to believe it i was like yeah your penis is gonna fall off essentially and you're gonna go through a transformation here um you know which in a way considering what puberty puts you through it's not too far off um especially in this day and age uh but okay so chris goes to i finally you know rile him up enough that he's he's not like bawling in tears but he's pretty frustrated and it's like mom you know it's time to tell on dana it's time to go complain so he did and i you know um, i'm not exactly sure what my mom thought of all this it chris maintains that he you know didn't believe it for a second but he believed it enough that he just he wanted me to stop saying it because it was probably annoying him and getting under his skin um and i'm sure i was pushing it because i don't i don't know where i came up with such a thing to say it's kind of silly and i can just see myself being that antagonistic at that age toward my little brother oh my god (laughs) what did he ever do to me for the most part nothing (laughs) um there's another better story uh 
in terms of like his final revenge. I know for a while I was probably really getting under his skin and um and he really got me back and it was one of those like, "Oh yeah, uh, that was a good one." Uh it, very random and I was very vulnerable getting ready to take a shower. <laughs> When this came down, but in, that's another story. In terms of you know what mom thinks about all this, it was probably like just God, guys, just get along. I mean, Chris and I, we have pretty much always gotten along as siblings. We there, we haven't had too many spats and bouts. But yeah, um, I tried to convince him that yeah, I guess uh, you know I was a boy up until 10 and my penis fell off and it wasn't it wasn't such a big deal it just it just happens uh, and I'm a girl now um it would be nice to remember like certain embellishments that were funny or that tickled me enough to say oh yeah I totally said this and this was the thing that I think clinched it but Chris is probably right he probably didn't believe me all that much and engaged in enough analytical thinking at whatever age he was, you know, somewhere between six and nine, to say, uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay, I, when I was nine years old, I was uh, had an older sister who's four years older than me my whole life, and she, um... One of her newest favorite things to do to me, uh, and it's like to pick on me rather than physically abuse me or um, her mental abuse, uh, you know, or embarrass me is what I was gonna say. But her mental abuse stat state that she decided to go for was to convince me by repeating multiple times, multiple days in a row for a long period of time that at the year of ten years old, a boy and a girl, whatever gender you are, it. It switches at the 10-year mark, and it happens on the 10th birthday for everyone. So if you're a girl, when you're 10, you turn into a boy, and when you're, and the way she would say it, when you're turn 10, your penis is gonna shrivel up and fall off. And she was convinced that I that somehow this was extremely convincing. She had convinced herself it was convincing. I was not as much convinced because I remember attending Girl Scout functions, primarily one where I got to jump around on a trampoline. Uh, and my sister was under 10, so, and I remember that, and it was really fun, so that's why I remembered it, so I thought to myself, no big deal, you're not going to lose your penis, you'll be 10, and it's fine. But as the onslaught continued, and just the, just the very well-maintained regiment of letting me know about my impending, uh, castration, uh, was, uh, was, was coming, I, uh, I decided to kind of take matters into my own hands because it was just getting obnoxious and I felt as though I just didn't need it anymore. So uh, I went to my mother and, you know, I'm born in August. So this is summertime, so we're at like peak, you know, peak uh, allergy season. And it was an evening. I walked into my mother's bedroom. She's in there. The fans were on. Uh, I said, Mom, I need to ask you a serious question. I closed the door. I said, look, <clears throat> will you please... Do me a favor and tell Dana to just drop it with the stupid penis falling off gender switch 10-year-old thing because it's dumb and I know it's not true and uh, and I just it's just, it's just getting obnoxious and, and it's like not going to stop unless you step in. 
And she was, oh, yeah, no, no problem. This will be fine. It's no big deal. Um, well, you know, I'll talk to her about it. And then, you know, I don't know if it was days later. I just remember the next time I heard about it was my mom. Uh, well, Dana, your brother came in crying to me, and he said that he wanted you to stop because he wanted to, he wanted to make sure that he was afraid of it. And I said, Mom, I told you I don't believe it. I said, the only thing I was crying was probably, like, from allergies, because it's, you had fans blowing into your room, people cut grass, and it's summertime. And uh, she still thinks now, to this day, that, that she got me. Dana got me so good, because she convinced me that when I turn 10, my penis is going to fall off. And apparently, then you grow a vagina. Okay, well, I, I don't remember how old the kids were. Dana says, and and Chris remember that he was like nine. But to me, he was more impressionable. Because when you're eight, you're in second grade, so you're still impressionable, but when you get a little bit older, you're not so much. So anyway, one night, just before Chris turned the next year, his birthday, he came up to me one evening, and his little lip was quivering. And he said, Mom, <laughs> Dana told me that um, when I turn whatever it was, I'm going to become a girl because she was born a boy. And when she turned whatever at age it was, she became a girl. He said, so I'm going to be a girl. And he was just absolutely, he was terrified. And I said, oh, Chris, oh, please, no, you're not going to become a girl. It's okay. You're a boy. She's just teasing you. And he claims to this day he never believed her. But that lip, I knew that there was that little bit of doubt in his mind because his older sister meant everything to him. And, you know, she was God. What she said was probably true. So that's... So what, what was her punishment? I think I just said, oh, Dana. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I didn't punish her. I just said, no, Chris, you know, she's just pulling your leg. It's just a lesson to be learned. So, no, I did not punish her. There you go. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the peculiar journeys that uh, hopefully you enjoyed going on. Um, I thank, thank you very big thank you to Dana, to Chris, and to Kit for participating. They were not... It's very interesting that my family is ridiculously egregious and that every, even the slightest thing, the slightest mistake, the smallest detail um, in my family becomes an epic journey. It becomes a huge, gigantic thing that we will laugh and laugh for generations. And every time we tell the story, it gets bigger and more advanced. Uh, Dana's family is a little more subdued, and so getting them to actually tell the stories and be recorded was a little bit more difficult, but I hope you appreciated it that these are not people that tell stories on stages. These are just people telling stories and sort of the, the differences in between those three different perspectives. Uh, with that in mind, try this with yourself. Go go home and, and try that and, and, and see what See what you get out of it because it's a really... I just I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I thought it was a blast. Um, 
This has been the Peculiar Journeys podcast. I really appreciate everybody that's listening right now. If you are listening and you enjoy the podcast, please go to iTunes and give me a review. Just say, I mean, it really doesn't matter what you say, and give me a couple of stars or one star if you really think this thing sucks and tanks, and five stars if you think it's terribly entertaining and you can't wait to listen to the next one. Um, We... I, I, we, I say we, and then all of a sudden I realize I'm not talking about anybody but myself because I record produced or peculiar journeys, uh, kind of wherever I'm at on my iPad using the Shure Motive app and a Shure MV88 microphone. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it makes you want to go and tell other stories uh, as often as possible. I really do believe stories are the thing that grounds all of us. Thank you, and have a great week.